Hi, I'm Mayo Febi, and this is Embrace Life. Today, my special guest is Joanna Kucherera. She's a speaker, trainer, and facilitator with a focus on relationships and the critical role they play in our lives. Joanna's work speaks to normalizing the realities we experience in relationships, and today we'll be speaking with her about navigating the trauma of infidelity. Much focus is given to fixing the union, but little attention is given to what it's like to be cheated on. Some of the grave symptoms people battle with are repetitive, intrusive thoughts, not knowing when to seek help, and the inability to articulate what they're going through. We'll be talking about these and more. Welcome, Joanna. So nice to have you on this podcast. I know we've been trying for a few attempts, you know, trying to coordinate ourselves. So the fact that you're finally here, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Maya. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for your patience. I'm looking forward to this. And how are you doing? How are you? I am doing okay. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, life has just uh, turned upside down over the past couple of months, I'm sure, for everybody. And I think it has taken a lot of adjusting to do, but I feel like I think I'm in a better space now. The first couple of weeks, like, ah, but now I think I'm, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting settled into my space. I'm getting settled into my routine. So I feel like I've got my feet on the ground somewhat to some extent. So yeah, I'm doing okay today. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, I really can't wait to get into our topic because I feel it's a subject that most people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a person goes through after they've been cheated on because most of the focus tends to be on the unity, bringing the relationship back together. But we hardly stop to think about the person that's been cheated on. Like, what does this mean to them? And more importantly, what are they going through and how can they be supported? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really, really excited. And I'm sure that a lot of listeners are going to feel validated and they're going to find things that they resonate with Mm -hmm. and hopefully can empower them and help them in their journey. When it comes to dealing with emotional trauma, it's often generalized into being like a a quick fix, you know? You're expected to read a motivational book or (laughs) go to a seminar or go to one or two counseling sessions and then you should be fine, right? But now the reality of it is that people take months um, and even years to work through it. Mm-hmm. So can you please speak to us about, from a societal perspective, why we we have this desire to rush through things and specifically why we have we want to rush through trauma? Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. And um, it's, 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 I think looking at our, at our culture and how we've been raised. So I'm from mm-hmm. Zimbabwe. And, you know, in our, in, our, in our communities, in our culture, some of these things, trauma and all of this, it's white people problems or it's rich people problems. We don't have that kind of stuff. We get on with it. We're very strong, we're a strong woman, and we don't have to go through any, any kind of uh, emotional turmoil. But I think that the reason why we put pressure on people to rush through stuff is sometimes we are uncomfortable with another person's pain. We don't know what to do with it. We've never been given tools. We've never been taught how to walk with somebody who's going through a very traumatic experience. And because of that, we feel like if they're better, then if they're doing okay, then I am doing okay. Then life can somewhat 
uh, get back to normal. Um, but also another thing that I find when it comes to rushing through trauma is that um, sometimes people are not given enough education or information about the specific trauma that somebody else is going through, that they don't have an understanding of what it is. So my expectation mm-hmm. is, you know what, no, you went through this, but such and such, it's been two weeks, come on, get over it. Or it's been, it's been three months, please, get over it, you know. We feel like we know how much time it should take certain individuals uh, to get over stuff. So because we, it comes from a place of we don't know, really, honestly, I'll be honest. We don't know, and we have our own expectations that we put on on other people that by now you should be you should be okay and i think apart from that and i think this comes into the education part of it you will find that um language plays a huge role when it comes to talking about matters about matters about anything i'm shona speaking and some of the words that are used in the psychological realm we don't find them in my language so if i don't have something that i can be able to articulate in my own language the language that i'm safe to speak in i don't get to understand it i don't get to know what is this that you're talking about even trauma right now to say trauma in my language is a very difficult thing so if i don't have that in an everyday use or in everyday language or in everyday conversations i will not be able to recognize it in myself and i also won't be able to recognize it in other people so which is why sometimes we get to a space and i don't know get over it i feel yeah i feel that yeah mm-hmm when it comes to getting over stuff, I must admit that I'm the one who used to be like that. I'm, I'm work in progress. <laughs> used to be as of when? <laughs> last week. Last week. <laughs> no, but but generally speaking, for me, it was it was a coping mechanism, right? Mm. Um, when I went through traumatic things in my life, I worked through it by getting over it quickly because um, I didn't have the language, I think, as well to deal with it and going back to what you said what's a a realistic time frame to give a person now I know it it varies from person to person Mm. uh, but what would you say is realistic to give a person space because you want to honor that they they're going through this thing Mm -hmm. and at the same time you want to keep them honest Mm-hmm. You don't want to just leave them and say, ah, let me give them five years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you disengage from the person. Mm-hmm. So how can you navigate the time factor? Because I know it would vary from person to person. And is there like a minimum time frame you'd recommend? So um, if I understand you correctly, you're, you're, you're speaking from somebody who's working with, let's just say, a young sister or a friend or someone mm-hmm. who's going through something mm-hmm. that, you know, what? How, how much time should I give them? If they've gone through infidelity and they're having to work through the emotions and the trauma of it. And you answered your, your question, unfortunately. It depends, Did I? <laughs> okay. it depends from person to person. Mm. I don't feel like there's any standardized that, you know, by two weeks, by three months, by four months. Because the road to healing is not linear. That's the problem that we have. Sometimes we think it's linear. By six months, they should have gotten to acceptance and moved on. But it is not linear. Which is why sometimes it even takes years for other people. Somebody will call you crying three years down the line. And like, but I thought you were over that by now, you know. So I don't think we can ever put like a stamp to say, you know, by this time or by this time, you should have reached certain goals. Because you have to understand that somebody's experience is being informed from a lot of other things. From their own past experiences, from their own personal 
preferences, from their own coping mechanism, like you mentioned, from their own belief system, from their own... So it's a whole lot. So I can't come and give a standardized thing because people are not that standardized. Yes, there's expectations that, you know, it might take this time to this time. But I think that will always be something that a therapist or a counselor or anybody who's helping somebody will have to take it step by step and get cues from the person that is going through the trauma or the hurt or the pain. Take cues from them. When they need you to listen, you listen. When they need you to just be quiet and be there, be quiet and be there. When they just want to cry and just rip it all out and just cry and scream, just let it be. And just, I love what you say that you want to honor the space that they're in. You don't want to rush them and you don't want to uh, to get them to skip a stage that will always be, that will sometime later on be detrimental to their mental health. So unfortunately, like any other healing, whether it's a physical healing or anything like that, it unfortunately takes time. And mm. that time is predicated on a lot of different things for different people. So I would caution with, you know, a specified time because it's situation by situation. Yeah. You also mentioned about language, saying that we don't have the certain words in African languages. Let me just generalize and say African languages. You don't have words to express how you're feeling and what you're going through. So how would you advise a person... And I don't know if the question is to find the language mm. or or how would you advise a person to navigate mm. this language barrier that they, they may be experiencing mm. and might not even be aware of it. So how can they work through that? Mm. I think um, apart from language, it's just um, getting yourself information and getting uh, getting yourself information pertaining to your particular situation. Mm. They, I think we live in an age and an era of information. Whatever you want to find about, you can find it on the internet. So most of us, most of the information out there is, yes, it's written in English, but most of us can and can, you know, read English and, you know, can understand English. But if you're in a space where maybe, you know, I'm, the, the English terms are becoming a bit difficult, what I would advise for somebody is look for somebody to walk with you who understands those terms and who is able to explain it in your own language. So I might understand these terms in English, but I'm able to walk with you. And I'm, if I'm speaking to you in Shona, I know how to, to, to be able to walk with you that in my own language. Um, but I think mainly it's the, the information barrier is not just about language, but also just I don't even know what this is. You know, even just now as I'm saying trauma, for a very long time, a lot of people thought that trauma is something that only is experienced by people that have suffered things like accidents or you know, major, major, major things, not realizing that even just suffering the betrayal of your spouse is a huge trauma-inducing experience. It's a very traumatic experience. Some will even go as far as saying, I have, I, this is the worst thing that I've ever had to experience in my life because the pain and the hurt and and the things that you go through, you didn't know that you were going to go through. And all of this stuff is most of the time involuntary. And you didn't know, like, what's going on? Am I losing my mind? Am I okay? What's this? So my hope and my heart is that even as we're having this conversation, to say these are some of the things that might happen, not all of them, that might happen to you. Um, please know that it's normal. Please know that other people have gone through it. So that when you go to Google, you know what you're looking for. You know what uh, what to type in. You know what thing to, 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 to look out for. So I think information is very important. Education is very important. Because I think I love what you said initially. It validates your own experience. 
because we don't usually talk about these experiences with other people. So I don't know what the next person is going through. I don't know if they're going through the same thing as I am. So I don't have a reference point. I don't have somebody to say, no, 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 I, I also went through that. Um, because we can't, we, we, we don't have the, we don't have the language for that. Um, mm. and we don't have the spaces where we can find, uh, where we can find information about it. Yeah. One of the, the things that I came across when I was doing my research in preparation was self blame mm. is a, is a big thing when you've been cheated on. But one of the things that you grapple with is trying to stop yourself from, from blaming yourself. Yes. And at times, it also tends to be reinforced by the person that's cheated on you. True. They'll say things like, but I told you I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I told you to stop that behavior, mm. so you can't blame me. And you find that people tend to accept that blame mm. and don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So how would you advise a couple, or let's say the individual that's been cheated on, mm. and they're blaming themselves for everything that's mm. happened? What would your words be to them? Yeah, self-blame self is, a, is, is a big one. Even apart from what society has said about infidelity or what your spouse says about infidelity, Self-blame is a um, is also one of the um, one of the one of the effects of trauma. So you'll find that if somebody has been raped, for example, you know, as much as I had nothing to do with this, as much as you know, there was no, there's always a part of you that blames yourself uh, mm. for what could I have done differently. If you're involved in a traumatic car accident, you know, there's always you know, even you know, there's always that. So it is also an effect of uh, of post-traumatic stress disorder that there's a lot of self-blame. But apart from that, there's also the societal things that we've gone, we've been taught. For example, if you're a woman, from the time you're like three years old, I don't know if it was the same, I know you're from Zambia, but I'm from <laughs> Zim. From the time you're literally three years old, you're constantly being told, make sure you do this because your husband will there, make sure you do that. You know? mm, so so the honors of a relationship working has been put on one spouse. The honors of uh, of us, for of, of my husband not cheating on me has been put on me. Um, even when you go to some seminars that are talking about affair-proofing your marriage, they're talking more on what you can do as a spouse, but not so much what you can do as an individual to make sure that you yourself do not mm-hmm. cheat. You yourself. It's a personal responsibility. So that's a conversation that we've never we've never had. Um, and so if the reason why there is self-blame is that's what you've been told always growing up, that if mm. um, if somebody goes outside, that means things are not okay at home. And that is the assumption that we've also been given, that people always cheat because things are not good at home. But I have spoken to countless people that have said, you know, Adriana, I love my wife, I love my husband, but this had nothing to do with them. Absolutely nothing to do with them. Uh, this was my own thing, and I really would want to walk back into trying to reconcile this. So now the understanding that it's not always about you comes from also having these conversations openly. If I, as a spouse, blame my, my partner for my infidelity, I find that that is scapegoating, um, and that is also a way of just um, really not taking into consideration their feelings and not being um, not being thoughtful of what it is that they're going through because everybody has a plot to play in these relationships. Are there marriages that are so bad that, you know, what people are going out and not it? True. I'm not saying that it, that's not a contributor. But at the end of the day, everybody is responsible for their own actions. Um, so when it comes to self-blame, it's unfortunate that society, religion, everything has put it up on 
you what do you do right why do you think that your husband went out to look for somebody else why do you think your wife went out to do to have a relationship with somebody else but sometimes it has nothing to do with me absolutely nothing you could have everything you want at home even happily married people still cheat even happily married mm. and that that is a conversation that we're also supposed to have that even happily married people cheat because we never hear that side of things but no 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 make sure you are fair proof your marriage this is what mm. you need to do make sure that your husband is happy make sure that your wife is happy you can do everything and still somebody goes out i always used to say to my friends that you know if that was true nobody in our mother's generation would have cheated because our mothers were trained to be wives right true man true they were man. trained to mm. our mothers would do everything and anything they would whatever that was required culturally religiously however our mothers were the perfect wives but that did not stop our fathers from straying you see what i mean mm. that didn't so i think when we start putting responsibility where responsibility lies if i have had a part to play in the relationship not working true i need to take responsibility uh for the things that i've done to you and whatever but i should never be blamed for somebody else going outside because that is a decision that they they make uh on their own you've mentioned so many juicy bits <laughs> <laughs> and i'm thinking which one which one should i bite next <laughs> so i'm going to bite the the culture one hmm. you remind me of this practice that the zambians have and i'm using the term zambians very generally so if you're a zambian and you're listening to this please don't think ah we don't do that we don't do that but generally speaking there's this practice of when a, a woman's about to get married mm. at the kitchen party yeah what is it called a a not a the, the, the male's called a groom groom party the the bride the kitchen tea, have a, it's called a kitchen party yeah kitchen tea party mm. yeah. yeah so when the older women it teaching you about marriage mm. one of the things that they teach you is how to be a good wife yes. so this is like the women that are 60 and over mm-hmm. on average who teach the younger ones that this is what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. and i totally resonate with what you're saying about putting the responsibility on a woman because in that gathering you're told that you must cook you must clean you must have sex like this and like that and there's nothing wrong with teaching someone how they ought to be culturally in a marriage right yeah. but the challenge comes in now where you've almost created an expectation in a woman to say that if you have sex the right way if you cook mm-hmm. the right way if you do everything the right way ha your marriage yes. is cheating proof yes. like it's a perfect marriage yes. and i suppose one of the reasons that people experience a heightened sense of trauma some people is because they've had this expectation that but I did everything yeah. I cooked for him every yes. single day I had sex with him at yeah. least every other day <laughs> <laughs> or every day <laughs> so you've done all of this you've invested poured yourself into this yes. and then he's he still goes ahead and cheats yeah and that's an enormous amount of pressure that a woman has to carry and going back to what you said the next question will be from the people around you but what did you do wrong yes. and it 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 leaves the other person to just live whatever life they want to and not be responsible for True. themselves so i like what you're saying about 
people taking responsibility for for what they've done in the relationship mm. and i i really feel that's another topic we should that's a topic for another day we should unpack mm. because i think that a lot of the, the 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 stress that a woman goes through is simply because culturally they've been told that that's what they need to endure in order to keep a marriage together yeah hmm um, i wanted us to to chat about how men and women respond to being cheated on would you say there's a difference against the backdrop of women having this pressure mm. to to keep this marriage relationship together uh, what differences are there if you've observed any in terms of how women and men deal with being cheated on um, so i think men and women go through the same emotions um it's just that women are given more a lot more <laughs> more mm. space to to express their emotions to talk about their emotions but i think it's still the same things that you feel you still feel the shame you still mm-hmm. feel the rejection you still feel the uh, the anger you still feel the betrayal just all of those things it, that, that 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 doesn't matter what gender you are we all get to a space where if somebody that i loved and trusted betrays me in this way it will hurt whether i'm male or female it doesn't matter it will still it will still hurt me and but how i then process that that hurt is what is different and it's not even just gender specific but different also personality specific how do i deal uh how do i deal with with all of that stuff but one of the things that i wanted to talk about going back to what trauma does um what trauma does to us when we've just found out that our partner has cheated on us or our partner is you know seeing somebody else um some of the first first initial responses that we will have for example you know is the shock and the denial because you go through what we call the, the normal grief cycle you are losing something you're losing a part of yourself you're losing a part of your identity you're losing who you thought your couple was especially if you didn't expect that to happen especially if you didn't see it coming you know you you lose your self self your self of identity your sense of worth your you know a lot of things you're losing in that moment and because you're going through grief uh you will go through a process of shock and denial at first you're like oh my god this is crazy how could you do this how is this happening you go through the process of anger you're angry at the person how could you do this to me how could you do this to us how could you do this to our, to our children through a process of bargaining sometimes you know where you know what if i hadn't done and this is like um past bargaining which goes back to the self blame where if i hadn't done this you know maybe he wouldn't have left if i hadn't put on weight maybe he wouldn't have left if you know i wasn't fired at that job maybe she wouldn't have you know she wouldn't have gone out with somebody or whatever you know that's a bargaining that's a bargaining space but then sometimes as well you realize that this thing has happened the milk has been spilled and this is what it is then sometimes you experience a deep sense of depression in that space a lot of people deal with depression differently some people will start drinking and some people will start sleeping some people will not be eating some people will lose weight some people will gain weight because you're just trying to deal with the emotion of this is what it is for me and i don't know what to do with myself so when you're going through that process of depression um is a very difficult and a very dark and lonely place for anybody and it can take uh, however long it takes for it's different for it's different for different people but after you've gone through that process you know you, sometimes you come to a place of acceptance you know this is like you know what it is what it is this is what has happened who am i becoming who are we becoming are we staying 
are we separating are we being together what's going on are we having discussions are we are we are we you know so which is why sometimes it's very advisable for you not to walk alone this journey because it's very very difficult the two of you in that space is uh, in, in such volatile 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 emotions so you always need to be able to be walking with somebody, somebody that is trusted somebody that will be able to keep your confidence somebody that is able to build the both of you up because I'm just, I'm not favoring one partner over the other but I'm just saying that you need to be walking with other people in terms of guiding you and in terms of keeping you accountable but also just holding your hand and validating your different um your different experiences you know what comes out as a result of what has happened to us as a result of this infidelity who are we who am I as a wife who are you as a husband then that comes the meaning part some people stay together and some people separate the majority of people who go th uh, through infidelity do stay together but now the question will be what state of a relationship are we staying together in what does that mean what does this are we just you know surviving or are we working through this and really trying to make this work and thriving and you know and building something else different from what we had um so when it comes to men and women i think how we respond to it is basically based on an individual to individual basis um i remember having a conversation with a couple of friends of mine and they're like i ah, know for us as a man if a woman just cheats you know that's that's it you're gone you're out <laughs> da, 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 da. and mm -hmm. i was saying to him yeah that's what we say to our colleagues and our friends and our relatives and everything when it finally does happen to you it'll be a totally different story because mm. you will not anticipate how you respond to you can't because we've never been through it if you've never been through something you can never anticipate um how you're going to respond so it's always um it's always it's always uh, great to be aware of some of these things which is why i feel it is important to even teach people about this even before you know premarital me i'm i'm awful you know premarital premarital counseling and premarital trainings and seminars let's talk about the effects of infidelity so that you know i'm not saying i'm jinxing you that it's going to happen uh all i'm just saying is statistics tell us that the majority you know of 50 or so it depends it depends on your definition as well of what infidelity is but a large number of people do experience it and this is some of the things that you guys might if you do experience it as a couple these are some of the things that might that you might expect to happen so i i don't think there's a clear cut way of how men respond and how women respond because a lot of guys oh, no, you, I mean, I'll leave and I'll go and I'm like, but no they <laughs> believe me there are a lot of houses uh, uh that are still you know still that went through that that are still standing when it's the, when it's the wife that is that has cheated so yeah it's it's very difficult to tell yeah it's it's really interesting how different genders respond um in private yes and in public, and in public. yes <laughs> when people are that's watching another you. conversation <laughs> yeah how you want people to perceive you yes uh as you were talking you mentioned that it's it's important to have someone to walk the journey with as yeah. you go through the phases because the the grief cycle that you spoke about it's a lot it's a lot it's really a lot for a person to take in and based on what you said correct me if i'm wrong but based on what you said earlier about um the the time frame varying from person to person i'm assuming that there is no fixed time frame for going through those various phases so you could be in phase 1 for a week yep. phase 2 for a year phase 3 so it it could literally jump yep. all over the place right yep. so 
when you're that person that's walking this person through their trauma, you're, you're a support system to your friend, your, your brother, whoever, what's the best way to help them? When they're going through all these phases, one minute they're okay, next minute they, they've broken down, they're crying, they don't want to wake up. How can you support them in, in, in a meaningful way that doesn't appear to, to disregard mm. what they're going through? The best way I'll say is educate yourself. Mm. Educate yourself. If you're, if you're a pastor, if you're a pastor's wife, if you're a friend, if you're a sister, educate yourself in what this person is going through. Mm. Be um, trauma-informed. That is one one important thing because I ran I ran a I ran a seminar called Unpacking Infidelity uh, for a couple of ladies and some of them are pastors and some of them are pastors' wives and they get to interact with some of these things and um, I did more to say you know you need to be un- to understand the trauma that somebody is going through uh, for you to be able to help uh, to help them so please be informed what stage are they going through if they call you in the middle of the night and they are shouting and they are screaming and they da 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 and they are swearing sometimes and they are mm. saying all of these things this is not the time to say, no 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 don't speak like that and whatever understand mm. that they are going through their anger period and it is okay they need to vent and they need to do this and they need to do this because um, a lot of things can happen in that space who are you at a different at different stages if somebody is in the first stage, for example, which is the shock and the denial and the, and, you know, if I have just found out that, you know, this is what's happening, I'm in those few hours, few days, I could be quite totally a different person. I don't bark, I don't whatever I can't do because I'm in this state of what in the world is going on. As a friend, one of those times that you can do is, you know what, what can I do for you? Can I pick up the girls? So you, this is now you needing to understand what stage. You can uh, offer to pick up the kids from school. You can offer to cook meals. You can even offer to take the kids to stay at your place. Okay, not now with COVID environment and everything, mm. but, you know, all things being equal. What are some of the practical things that you can do if somebody is in the first stage of shock and honor and, dis- and, and despair and everything like that? So understanding the different stages and what the person is going through will be able to help you in order to know what am I doing, who am I, and also when to seek to refer because you don't have to have all the tools. You don't have to know how to walk somebody through. If somebody needs counseling, then you know what, be the one that goes along and say, you know what, I feel like you need to talk to somebody. When I went through um, a very, um, when I was going through grief, nothing to do with this, but uh, many years before I, before I got married, I was going through a very difficult place, nothing else, going just on the edges of depression. I had a very close friend of mine from church who said, you know what, I can't help you, but I know that there is this counseling center that does work like this. These are the people that are going to help you. And I know you're a student right now, you can't afford it, so I'm going to pay for you. So those are some of the practical mm-hmm. things. You don't always have to have the know-how and the everything. Who are, who are the people that you can refer to? Who, who can I say somebody to talk to? Can you, you can go and talk to. If it's a guy who's not comfortable to talking to people, you know, refer. Have your people to say, you know what? And all you can do is just be just be a support. Um, the worst, the thing that I would caution people from doing is get over it. Don't cry about it. This happens to a lot of women. What's so special about you? This happens to a lot of things. What's so special about you? Get over it. Because when we don't understand the road that somebody is walking, when we don't understand their pain and their hurt, and then later on we get surprised when they commit suicide, but we don't know how much our words and our actions and our reactions Mm. and our pressures Mm. contributed to that. 
because we, when we're talking about some of these things we don't always talk about you know the the extreme cases when somebody does not get the help the extreme cases when somebody does not get the support the ex- you know so it's always quite important to be quite vigilant about what we say and how we say it i have I, I think I think in that when we know and we're informed on how to help people deal with it. I I remember working with, a, with with somebody a couple of years ago. Somebody said, you know, right now I want to be able to um to be there for my wife, but I'm the one that has that has caused the hurt. That it, how do I become part of um part of the road that she's that that she's well, how do I help her as a spouse? And I remember saying to him, you know, would you, would your wife mind, uh, mind, mind talking to me about this? Or we can, you know, just, you know, see if there are other people that we can refer to, or we can, you know, just like, you know what? Her response was, I do not want to talk to anybody that is going to blame me, or blame me for what you did, or tell me to forgive you because I'm not there right now. Because as a society, that's what we do. As a culture, that's what we do. And it can be detrimental to people's health and and mental state. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say for now. Mm. And we, we, we're speaking a lot about the, the role that gender plays mm. in this whole dynamic of, of being cheated on. Because you mentioned that uh, women tend to say to other women, get over it, um, you, there's nothing special about you. Yeah. And it reminded me of how when I was growing up, uh, uh, the younger women would come to my mother's house I think I was about six, seven. You know that age when you're so inquisitive yes. and your ears are on the ground. And, <laughs> and you're listening to adult stories that you're not supposed to be listening to. That yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. So I remember this one time my mom had her, her friends over. And there was this young woman. She was like bawling her eyes out, crying. And she was saying, you know, mom, referring to my mom, she called her mom, you know, mom, it's so hard what this man has done to me. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it, you know. And the other older women there that were my mother's age, and my mom included, they were saying things like, oh, but what did you expect, darling? This mm-hmm. is how men are. Yeah. This is what men do. Mm-hmm. Um, you should just forget about what they're doing and just focus on your marriage. And I was sitting there as a seven-year-old, like, thinking, wow, did they just really say that? (laughs) Now, of course, I couldn't fully understand what they were saying. But in my little mind, I was thinking, but she's crying. She's hurt. Surely you need to hug her or or tell her something to make her feel better, you know? Not to just tell her, no, this is is what happens. Mm. So my question then is, is it possible for you to be cheated on? And not feel anything. Is it possible to say to yourself, it's just the way men are? Or this is what happens if you're a man to say, ah, this is life, you know, what what was I um, supposed to expect? Is it possible to not feel anything? And secondly, if it is possible, how does it impact your mental health? Hmm. Can you retain some sort of mental health and say, I'm okay because... This is what people do. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's a mm, that's a lot of one because you're right. I mm. think from speaking from a f- female's point of view, like I say, you know, before you get married, you're told that this is what men are. This is what men do. Mm. But to be honest, a lot of us get into marriages thinking, not my husband, mm. not my boyfriend, because you don't know him, uh, not him, not him. You know. So we still, as much as that is the 
perceived and communicated information i still get into their thinking no no, no my, but me you don't you don't you don't you don't understand my my little my, my little space so when it finally does happen to me it shatters me because i didn't expect it to happen i didn't expect i expected it to happen to bang bang mm. but not to me and my my person so that still hurts me to uh, to the core so even if it happens but also even understanding that this um and with that belief that you know what yeah it's probably going to cheat or whatever it does not stop from hurting because there's a betrayal that has happened there's vows that has been taken for a lot of people that get married in the church or even married traditionally there's certain expectations that are there that you know what i'm going to be your one and only and when you break that that totally breaks who i am and totally breaks my identity it embarrasses me it's the humiliation it's the shame it's the mm. rejection is the as the feelings of hurt and pain that sometimes i cannot even begin to describe and and i don't think something like that a betrayal like that can happen to you and for you not to feel anything however if i honestly and utterly do not care about the dude that i'm married to or the wife that i'm married to no i'd <laughs> What yeah. you can do whatever and go whatever because I'm in a space of indifference. There are some mm. couples and some relationships that have come to a place of indifference. And when he, what indifference is is I honestly can't care this. Mm. I I don't care about it. It's not even care this about what you've done, but I don't care about you. So you can just do whatever and be whatever. I checked out a long time ago. Mm. I'm still probably still staying here for the kids, staying staying here for whatever, and with that general understanding. So those people that have checked out, yeah, probably. But I think if you are a relationship that is working, that is striving to work, that will still hurt, and not being given mm. proper tools to walk through that. And 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 my heart is not to be bashing on the on the partner that has been that that is um that has been the one that has not been faithful because you know that there's also another layer to that. They're also going through their own emotions. They're also going through their own stuff, right? I'm not justifying anything, but I'm just saying that if we're working with a situation where it's a, this is this has happened, how do we reconcile and how do we rebuild this relationship? Um, it is it is very possible, but I think for a person not to feel anything unless they're a psychopath, I don't I don't think I don't think it is it is possible. And I think for the well-being of our mental health, anytime do what we don't deal with will always come up later. Even if I say, no, you know what, I, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't affect me. When it actually does, you can't live in a place of denial for long and for it not to come out in other spaces and in other things. And in your, in your, in your physical health, you've got high blood pressure, you've got ulcers, you've got all of these things. It's just your body saying there are some things that some, you haven't, you haven't mm. dealt with, you haven't gone through. So I think um, it is quite impossible for us to be in that space, yeah. Mm, I, I love what you say about having an outlet about dealing with it because emotions many of us think that we can just pack them away in a little corner and then 30 years 40 (laughs) years on we we have to revisit these things because i remember um, oprah i think it was she was talking about the sexual abuse that she went through and it happened i think in her early teens or maybe she was eight nine i can't remember but she said something powerful. She said that she only got over that in her 40s. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what kind of work she was doing. And she's a, a conscious person. She, she has words to give meaning to, to, to 
after what she went through and she had access to resources so i'm thinking what more of a person who doesn't even want to acknowledge yeah. what yeah. they've gone through because yeah. she probably went to psychologists coaches coaches therapists read up on it mm-hmm. but now think of a person that's just sitting in denial yeah. that this thing has happened so it's it's important for us to to navigate and to be okay in sitting in dark and comfortable spaces yeah. because that's how we we work through it yeah. is through acknowledging that this is how i feel yeah. and then from there you can begin to take steps yeah. to get out of it sure. yeah. yeah yeah mm-hmm. when we're in pain we we obviously deal with it in different ways right yeah. some people retreat they don't want to interact with anyone they lose appetite other people might become addicted to work um working 12 hours a day something that i came across was the the concept of a flooding like a lot of people who've been cheated on experience flooding and it gets to a point where it it's the only thing that that, that they can think about so i wanted you to to briefly chat to us about what flooding is and how people can can work through it yeah, yeah. Mm. so um flooding is is just as it is it's just forced emotions things that just come to your head that are specific to this thing that your partner has done you're thinking about it all the time and you can't stop your mind it's like always thinking about it always thinking about it and i don't want to think about it. i want to do other things which is why sometimes it is important to even like colleagues and workmates and everything like that if you see that somebody's failing to concentrate or do their work properly or anything you know get them the the help that they need because um unfortunately our body and our mind is focused on this one thing that is the thing that is um that is taking my space and i feel like i can't be active in other things i can't think of i can't function at work i can't be a mom i can't be anything i can't be that i can't even be the person that i was before this thing happened because that is what is preoccupying my mind um the problem with flooding is you can't be um um you can't be free from it sometimes without mentally stopping and saying you know what no 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 uh-uh. you know what we're not going down there it's a mental mental thing that needs to happen which is why and it's also um an effect of of the trauma that has happened because like for example you find that people that have fought in wars or anything like that or, you know things triggers are always everywhere all the time and the mm. things that are just making you think and your mind if it's a cliche if it's a d or if it's somebody who looks like your your husband's girlfriend or your your, your wife's boyfriend everything is just things that are just causing you to just um think about that whole situation and you don't have it feels like you can't make it stop you can't it's always always that you're ruminating over it over and over and over again how did it happen when that happened when he said he was at the office was he with her when she said she was going for that trip was it how did they do it when did they do it is it better is it not better what does this mean what is, how long is he telling you the truth what's going on and you get to be this very that's all you're thinking about and the hypervigilance is just always there if they, if you guys are still staying together if he comes home five minutes later you're like where was he was he with her if you know if his phone rings and for some reason he has to go and take it outside you're like you know you're constantly checking and checking his phone checking his emails checking his twitter checking his facebook checking his instagram checking checking all of it it becomes exhausting mm-hmm. it becomes so exhausting and getting out of that sometimes you need help it's just 
just not just to stop but to also understand why it is that, that you're going through that because what has happened is you're experiencing trauma and your mind and your body is always alert for danger it's like if somebody if you were robbed at night everybody every time when you're at night you're hyper you're, you're self, so more self-aware you know if you if the people that robbed you uh, via gunpoint were in a red car every time you see a red car it becomes a trigger you know so I feeling like everything like that so I think and I feel like when you're going through that it is a process that you need somebody else to walk you through to be able to give you the tools to be able to be redirect your mind redirect your thoughts redirect your energies redirect who you are find other things to occupy your mind find other things to occupy yourself you know um, so that you know it doesn't only become about that because life can honestly become about that for a very long time if we're not conscious about it so being conscious about this is what I'm going through this is uh, what I'm this is how I'm hurting and I need to be conscious of the fact that this is where I'm at if I need to seek counseling let me go and seek counseling from other people that I can trust so that I can get out of this space because that can be detrimental to your health the, the, the BPs that I was talking about, the high blood pressure, you know, the ulcers, the, um, uh, you know, the heart disease, all of those things, you know, if you don't deal with the stress of, of that season, it can become detrimental to your health as well. Yeah. What would you say are some of the, the other red flags that people need to look out for in terms of getting help? Because many of us don't want to to go into these inner parts of our being yeah. that are so painful. We yeah. don't want to um, tell our friends. We don't want to go and sit in front of a psychologist or mm -hmm. a therapist or yeah. whoever because we believe, you know what, I'm strong enough. Yeah. I can deal with this by myself. Yeah. So what are the other areas would you say that if you start experiencing that, get help immediately? immediately. Mm. Mm. I think when it comes to having gone through this this uh, this process, my advice would be even at the onset, if you can get help, get help because when it starts, you don't know how you're going to react down the line. You don't know who you're going to be down the line. You don't know who you're going to be when you're experiencing anger, and you don't know who you're going to be when you're going through the process of depression. So my heart is, you know, if you're going through this, if you can please seek help at the beginning of the whole process because somebody will be able to, to walk you through that process. So if possible, I'm all for getting help. Please get help. Don't try to walk uh, through this on, our, on your own. Um, some people have done it and, and, and some people have been able to get through it, but you don't know if you're some people. You don't know what your law will be. You know, so mm. if you've got, if just even just a friend, you don't. It doesn't have to be anything. Just a friend, or a trusted pastor, or a trusted pastor's wife, or whoever you feel you can. Please get help immediately. Don't try to do it on your own. So the question sometimes is, uh, what if my partner doesn't want 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 to get help, but I feel like I'm suffocating. I feel like I can't do this. Still get help for yourself, from somebody who can keep your confidence, because you don't always need another person's permission for your own mental health. Because if you don't take the stand, you know, two months down the line, we don't even know where you're going to be. So sometimes even couples that have gone through this, it's a struggle for some couples to go together as a couple. And you feel like if we can't go together as a couple, then we can't do, can't do this together. No, no. You can still find help for yourself. Seek help for yourself. Um, if you feel like you don't want your, your partner to know that you're going through help, you know, there are places where they can do that thing confidentially and you can be able to get help for yourself, um, even apart, even apart from your, from your partner. So get help, get help, get help. If I could say anything, please get help because help mm. is out there. 
but also be wise in who you choose to get help from that is also very important and be wise in who you choose because some people as much as they are amazing they might actually do you more harm than good so i would go the professional route if you can afford it um seek professional help um because that way you can be honest you can be vulnerable you can be real without the repercussions of feeling like you know maybe are they gonna keep my confidence are gonna be you know seek professional help if you can afford it please do uh, because that is not a road for anybody to walk alone so outside of seeking professional help and getting help from family and friends, what other support systems do people tend to gravitate towards in dealing with such? Um, I think the, the biggest one that I've seen, I mean, over the years is people usually gravitate towards the church. Um, the church, this is, the, this is, my, this is my family. This is my church family, this is my faith family, and usually, you know, it's usually the pastor and the pastor's wives that um, do the counseling. But you'll find as well, some churches will have um, counseling centers and uh, within the church for their own for their own members um, to to be able to walk through, um, especially if they have gone through a process of infidelity. But I think one of the things that I on a personal level that I have struggled with and um, you know this is up for discussion because I've had a lot of discussions with uh, some of my friends that have studied mm. theology and all of that so it's I, it's theology is not my, my specialty so I could be very wrong theologically but I feel that usually when, when a couple is going through this I feel it is something that needs to be done um, under wraps if I can call it that mm. that you've got two very fragile people that are going through such immense emotional turmoil um, that they need to be dealt with delicately, especially during those first couple of months. And what I would think that is, you know, if they're being dealt with, you know, so that it's 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 not um, uh, it's not dealt in public. You know, I I I've seen instances. I remember before I was before I was married, and I remember somebody that I knew very well. They'd just been married, uh, not not too long, and. Um, the husband had had an affair and at that time he was in a leadership position and and for for that particular church they you know they you know say yeah, no, this is this is what this person has done you know that couple is called to the front and you know and my heart my heart i will not tell you for my my, my heart broke mm. because i could see the shame the humiliation the all the emotion that was in their face that just being, you know, in front of this congregation, like little school kids that have been caught stealing and that everybody, one of us is looking at them in that way. And I felt this is such a difficult way to deal with such a traumatic experience. It's like, you know, having your pain being paraded in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got a question and everybody, and not everybody's coming from the right intentions. So for me to be able to deal with the situation, for us as a couple to try to deal with this as a couple, while we've got all of these voices that are coming at us, all of these judgmental things that are coming at us will be very difficult. And you'll find, which is why you find usually couples like that do not stay long. They will leave. Because it's just too much pressure. It's just too much. It's just, it's just difficult to deal with. So I would, I would rather have those situations contained. Um, mm -hmm. To be able to be dealt with and in that space where you know we deal without the other sins in the church where it's you know it's, it's contained it's 
it's, it's, it's to give the, the couple space and time to heal, to go through this, whoever has been betrayed on, to go through the trauma without having to worry about the shame and the humiliation and everything that comes with it. Because me, as the, as the betrayed spouse, I'm having to carry, you know, not only what he has done for me, but also what other people are now putting on me. Mm. So I feel like if it's contained, if it's in a space, and it's in a space that is safe, then that way it will help. I used to work for a, for a Christian counseling center a couple of years ago, and you'd find that people would come from other denominations and say, this is what me and my husband are going through, and we don't want to go to our own counseling center at the church because we feel like we can't be honest, we can't be open, and confidentiality issues, all of that, da-da-da-da. So it becomes, it becomes a huge thing. So I feel, for me, always professional help is always the number mm. one we go to. But if you can't, um, look for safe spaces where people can be able to, or even just one couple that you can walk with without opening it up to a lot of other people because I feel, and I could be wrong and I always say this and I could be wrong and I stand to be corrected, but I feel that if some, if a couple is going through something as immense, as, as immense like that, it needs to be contained mm-hmm. for them to get proper healing and to be able to get on the other side and only then when they're on the other side they can choose to either, you know, but I feel uh, while it is still hot, while we're still trying to figure it out, for us to be in public eye like that, that'll be very difficult for anybody to deal with. Mm-hmm. That'll be, in, yeah, that I feel, yeah. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about how for some church members, uh, this could even mean leaving their church. Yeah. Because if it gets to a point where um, the 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 church finds out that this has happened and their policy is to make it a public thing and they tell you that if you don't do it then you're disobeying the, the constitution of this church or the religion or however they put it it could get to a point where you say well in that case I'm walking away yeah because if you're not given a, a space that's conducive to your healing then it raises questions of, well, why am I here then? If I can't be given the space to heal through this, mm. let me rather go elsewhere. Yeah. If the church can't give you that space to, to, to go somewhere else or to just deal with it on your own. Mm. Yeah, so it, it, it also raises another facet. So over and above dealing with the trauma, you're now dealing with this religion aspect of it. Mm. You know, Like it's, it's another layer that you have to, to deal with. Yeah. In terms of navigating being cheated on. No, not true. I mean, mm. different churches and different religions have got different policies, mm. and mm. I can never speak into that because you know mm. it's, it's 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 the policies of the churches, the yeah. policies of the religions, and you know. But I I think you know I can just say you know what, if we could sometimes revise some of our policies to see what is the, the best interest of this couple, how can we best help this mm. couple right now? What is it that they need right now? Uh, how can we help them in this particular point in time? And yeah, some have left, some have not, some have, you know, but you don't want, you know, if you, for something as, as, as big as infidelity, the problem is if you continue being in the same space, you always feel like people are side-eyeing you. The confidence level has gone down. Your self-esteem has gone down. Your humiliation is way up there. You feel you can't mm. hold your head up high. You can't even laugh. You can't even smile. You can't even be your true self. Because you feel like, you know, every time somebody looks at me, that's what they're thinking about. And that is the human side of how we react to embarrassment, to, to humiliation, to shame, to all of these things. 
So yeah, and it's it's a it's a, it's a difficult situation. It's difficult, and each and every denomination, each and every uh, church will have to figure out how they how they do that. But I feel that I if people could just be given a shelter, a covering, in some fashion or form, that they can heal without the added pressure of you know a whole congregation mm. of 200 descending on them, having their own, you know, making theories and conspiracy theories and all of that mm. and feeling like you need to justify this and yeah, it's, it just becomes too much. Mm. It just becomes too much, yeah. Can life be the same after you've been cheated on? After such an event, life can never be the same because there is a um, shift that has happened. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's going to be worse, I'm not saying it's going to be stagnant. All I'm saying, it can't be the same. How you get out of that destruction is so dependent on the couple itself. It can never be the same because there is so many things that have... It's like a foundation that has been just been um, ex excavated. Mm -hmm. What you do with the rubble is not up to you. The rubble is right in front of you because um, the relationship that you had before this it's going to be different with the relation that you're going to have after this. Both people, you know, we've got you know, these these testimonies, and and for those who want uh, to get help and just to be able to read stuff on on for themselves, there's a, there's a website called uh, called uh, AffairRecovery.com. They've got stories of couples that have made it through, that have gone through the process, that have done the work, that have you know from you can hear testimonies from you know the the, the, sp the spouse that is betrayed or the spouse that is the one that has been betrayed on. It can it it will not be the same. For some, it can even be better. For some, it can you know, you know, separation might actually be the uh, the best for them. So, which means your relationship is not going to be the same because you guys are no longer are no longer together. So, um, what you the both of you decide to be the thing that comes out of this is a process that both of you have to walk through, and it takes a lot of effort. But something has changed, and something forever would have changed. And what can come out of that is so responsibility of the couple, and sometimes even the individuals on an individual by individual basis. In the terms of if they decide to separate, you're gonna go your own way. I'm gonna go my own way. Then who we build after that, and who we become after that, you know, mm -hmm. is a is a personal responsibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Joanna, it's been great talking oh, to you. Oh, it's been great going through I've learned so much. <laughs> I've gone in and out of my childhood, my early adult yeah. life. <laughs> been Heavenly dipping all, all over. Yeah, yes. so thanks. I really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's been it's really been great. Like I always say to you, know, every time we have conversations, there's always something to learn. And I've also learned something. Thank you for, for having me.